Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to Italian Impact Weekly. My name is Claudio Relsano, and we have a stranger here that hasn't been here in a while because he makes so much money. Uh, he was in Italy, Mr. Steve Mancini. Steve, welcome back. Hello, is this thing on? Hello, everyone. Hey, everybody, this is Steve Stefano Mancini returning from my glorious, glorious three-week vacation. And we're going to definitely talk about your trip to Italy, the entire trip, and I'm sure you have a lot of stories, good and maybe some uh, tough travel stories. Right? We learned a lot in life, let's just all say right, that. All right, We have a very, very special guest on today. I know I've had him on my show three, four times. In my opinion, he is the best author of Pittsburgh sports. If you want to know anything about Pittsburgh sports, Dave is the encyclopedia. He has written uh, 36 books, not all of them about Pittsburgh sports, but a majority. He has written books such as Pittsburgh's Greatest Athletes, Pittsburgh's Greatest Teams, books on Forbes Field, Three River Stadium, Civic Arena, When Cobb Met Wagner, Chuck Cooper, very interesting book, The 79 Pirates, The 60 Pirates, Pitt and Duquesne, and his newest book, Pittsburgh Sports in the 70s. Dave Finoli, welcome to the show. Well, great to be here. All right, brother. All right, let's first talk about, uh, you know what, Let, let's get something that we always uh, kind of start off with. Obviously, you're Italian. Talk a little bit about where your family is from in Italy and, um, you know, were there any practicing traditions that you all upheld? Well, uh, my, my father's family uh, was from a village called Santa Maria, not far out of Milan. Okay. Um, and uh, my mother's uh, family was from Sicily. My father was... Uh, I believe he came over right after he was uh, was born. Well, my mother's my mother's family, uh, my grandparents uh, were born here. We uh, we we certainly have a have a proud heritage. They they talked about it often. Uh, my grandmother is very important to her to uh, always support uh, the churches in, in uh, Santa Maria that she had uh, grown up with. There weren't a lot of traditions being kept, but certainly she made sure we understood where we were from and. And that we were proud of uh, her heritage, uh, which we certainly were. And, and I think that's important. And what I mean by traditions, you know, everybody always talks about the food and the holidays and all that kind of stuff. But I like what you said, you know, that, that she, uh, what was important to her was, was her heritage. And she shared that and passed that along to all of you. Is that something that you uh, share with your family? I do. I do. It's, it's certainly important to me. Uh, you know, my, my one son is upset because my, my wife is only half Italian, so <laughs> I always tell him, you know, I'm full Italian and you never can be. So, right. uh, you know, we get a chuckle out of that. But uh, my Aunt Louise uh, passed uh, uh, right after my father. Um, she lived to uh, 104. My dad lived to 100. Wow. And uh, yeah. I made sure I went up and, and we took all the uh, relics uh, they were just going to, unfortunately, uh, pitch them. So my wife and I took all the relics and, and all the books from uh, back then and, and made sure I shared them with my uh, my children. And, and we have them today, and, and uh, they will pass them down to uh, their children. Good, good. Now, since we're on the topic of Italian, your, your, one of your books, Pittsburgh's Greatest Athletes, so yeah, I think you know where we're going with this because we talked about it on my show. No Bruno San Martino. How can you have Pittsburgh's Greatest Athletes without Bruno? Uh, we make up for it. We make up for it. We, we in, in Pittsburgh sports of the 70s, um, I do a nice story on not only Bruno's uh, championships, which he which he retook. He retook the championship in 1973, I believe. But just his inspirational story um, during World War II when uh, 
the Germans had overtaken their town and, and they were forced to live in the hills and, and the mother had to run down at night to get food That's right. uh, and try to escape the, the uh, Nazi uh, army. And, and just an, it, to me, that, that showed the kind of person Bruno was, how he grew up and, and you know, how he just respected and loved his mother for what she did for them. Uh, keeping them alive before they came over. And to me, that, that as great as a uh, story as wrestling uh, was, which I, I found out he actually learned from the great Rex Peary, who was yes. um, uh, the, uh, the Hall of Fame coach uh, of Pitt uh, during the late 50s uh, when they were among, if not the greatest wrestling school in the country. Yeah, Bruno was asked to go to school there, and Bruno wasn't comfortable you know, with the language just yet and the scholastic part of it and um but yeah rex perry definitely wanted him did you happen to see before steve asks asks his question did you happen to see the larry richard documentary that uh, they did about bruno i just uh, found it on amazon prime and i just uh, started watching it last night um okay. so i will uh, continue tonight but it looks very very it's it's excellent, and then I was shocked at the I don't know why what made me look at the credits at the end, but Larry included me, which I was flattered. Um, he said right. him, and, you know, but because Bruno was very nice to me, Bruno was a great guy, and Larry's a great guy, but that was a, a big honor for me. And uh, but definitely watch that; it was very well done. But uh, Steve, no, I want I want to kind of pick up something though. You know, Claudia, when you and I first met, you talk about like your your family influence and that kind of you went to the baseball game and that kind of drove you into like, Hey, I want to get into baseball. This is like my passion. Dave, I guess I want to ask you a similar thing was you're obviously very well read. You write excellent books. I mean, if there's anything about Pittsburgh sports, anyone wants to know you've got a book on it. Didn't put two and two together, but I've actually read a couple of the books and I didn't realize you were on <laughs> the show. Cause when you were, yeah, when you were reading off the time, I'm like, oh, I know that one. I'm like, ah, oh, crap. I know you're on the show. So, so no, so it was kind of a very pleasant surprise. So again, I really appreciate you being on the show. But I guess my question is, is what got you into this? Everybody likes sports growing up. Well, most people do. I can't say that anymore. But in the old days, most of us liked sports growing up. Um, what got you into this? Well, I'll tell you what. There was the, uh, the trio, my father, my Uncle Vince, and uh, my Uncle Ed. Um, they, um, they made sure they took us... Uh, uh, to baseball games, to Steeler games. Um, in, in fact, they they had one thing in common, um, and I tell the story in the in the uh, uh, three book three rivers book and this book um, on the 1970s. They hated traffic, <laughs> and uh, they they had us at uh, my dad uh, took us with my uncle Vince, uh, my brother and I to um, the Immaculate Reception game. Wow. And uh, my dad and the Steelers back then were, this was their first great year. They were the embarrassment of the NFL for most of their first 40 years. They were what the Pirates are to this generation, was what the Steelers were to my dad. <laughs> what, cheap and owner? Kid, uh, just a, an owner who wasn't adept at putting a, uh, you know, as much as, as you love the Chief, he wasn't real adept at putting a good coach um, on the field and a good team on the field. When Kenny Stabler, who it ran about a 22nd 40-yard uh, dash. Uh, somehow ran through the Steelers and scored late in the game to put Oakland up seven to six. My dad was irritated. He got mad. He got up and he said to my brother and I, "Let's get out of here. At least we'll beat the traffic." Oh. So when we exited on Gate C, 
uh, we heard this most incredible roar that we'd ever heard. And until we got to the car, we just assumed Roy Durella kicked the field goal. Um, it wasn't until we got in the radio that we, we heard what happened. And then back then, the home games were blacked out. You couldn't, they would do a replay the next day. So it wasn't until the next day that we actually saw the Immaculate Reception. So as much of an influence, and my, my father was a wonderful man, and, and my Uncle Vince and Uncle Ed were two people I treasure. And uh, they were the ones that got me into it. But my dad, until the day he died, my brother and I would always uh, – Kid around with him about the day he made us miss the immaculate reception. Wow! You know, real quick, I never stay the entire game because I too hate traffic. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, we're going to a game here next week, and we're fortunate enough to get to the uh, the home plate club. And my daughter's boyfriend, you know, he loves the games and he loves to stay the whole thing. And I said, look, we're, for you, I'll stay till the seventh inning. You know, and it's their great seats. The food's great, but I'm getting out of there. There's no way. This is I'm a pirate stuck. game. Yeah. What traffic? Yeah. Well, even if they, <laughs> even if there's fifteen thousand, I'm leaving. I do you know what? Like I thought it. I was nuts because I do that. I leave everything early because I just don't want to deal with it. Unless I'm it's something that's like oh, I'm not going anywhere. I'm like I'm out of here. Yeah. Um, by the way, I want to go back to something you said. I, I want to pick up on something. Where I I will always pick on the pirates owner. Because everyone says he's a great businessman, and I believe that he is a good businessman. But he's either a he's either a bad at owning a team, or he's not inspired to put a winning team on there. I'll just I'll leave it at that. We can we can talk about that later. But I want to go back to something you said because you said the owners of the Steelers for 40 years couldn't put a good team together, and you know the 70s turns the team around. Everybody everybody knows we all know the story. But what was Besides the coach, I mean, what did they do differently that really turned it around? It wasn't wasn't it the same ownership? Bill Nunn. He, he, put, his, he, put, oh, his he put his son in charge. Well, that's part of it. He put he put Dan in charge. Dan was the one who tried to convince him to keep Johnny Unitas because he could see the talent he had. They ended up cutting Johnny Unitas. He, he of course goes to the Colts. At the same time, they had Len Dawson, that's right. and they cut him. Jack Kemp. So, Jack, yeah, I, I mean, you know, they, they had a lot those of those calls. <laughs> well, that, did, that's the problem. Did they have Earl they Morrill too, Dave? They did. They did. Wow. So this is this is what they had. And, and the problem with the Chief was it just seemed like he wasn't good at putting good coaches in charge or giving too much power. And it wasn't that he was cheap. I mean, he. No, I don't think they were. No. No, I don't think the Steelers <laughs> were cheap. Um, I guess it sounds like it was more decision-making. I see now you can't look at it. Now with the way the salary cap and the way salaries work, you, you, you throw a $30 million team out there, you're not trying to win. I don't care what anybody tells well, me. We're not a small market. Well, part, no, part, part of the pirate problem, I mean, Bob Nutting will be the first to tell you he doesn't know jack about baseball. His problem in my eyes, yeah, he doesn't support the team, and but his problem is he – he didn't put the good people in charge because what he does is he spends top dollar on the system because that's what he was told, you know, how, how you survive if you're not a Los Angeles or New York team. Um, and that's very true. That's how Minnesota and Houston and, and um, Cleveland uh, are constantly competitive because they have a good farm system. Neil Huntington, while he was, was good at finding the diamond in the rough major league free, he was horrible he destroyed that system. They were horrible at developing players. 
didn't, and I include Garrett Cole, he didn't develop one pitcher because Garrett Cole was nothing like the pitcher he turned out to be until he left here. Um, so, yeah, we certainly, Bob Nutting is certainly a reason, but to me it was who you had in charge because when that team in 2015 started breaking up, the idea was you needed people in the system to plug in the holes. You had no people. I remember going to an Altoona curb game in, in either 2015 or 16, and Double A is where you can see what your system's like because there's nothing but prospects there. In, in A ball, you have a bunch of unproven prospects. Double A is where your genuine prospects are, and in Triple A, you need to fill the bill with quad A players, guys who, you know, are never going to be stars, but are up there to, to kind of fill the bill. So when I went to an Altoona game at that time and looked around and just it hit me, there is no major league prospects of worth here. And that really told you volumes about that system. Well, considering the irony, though, is that they're always tra- but they're always trading for prospects, it right. seems like. So well, I, I don't understand why. Like, well, well, they, yeah. oh, I'm sorry. Because it's, it's, it's the development. Right, it's exactly. the development that means everything. Dave, um, I, I think you heard my show with uh, – and, and by the way, you do a, a podcast, which we're going to get to as well. But I was a guest on the 412, uh, Draft 412 podcast last week. And I said, who have they developed? They haven't developed anybody. I mean, Cruz has a ton of talent. Are you going to make him better? Uh, Cabrian Hayes, I, I think they're trying to make him a, a power hitter, which he's not a power hitter. But he could hit more doubles and triples, but that's neither here nor there. Who have they improved pitching-wise? Who have they improved offensively? Who have they developed? Look at Mitch Keller. Yeah. Look, look at Mitch Keller. Who's going to be he, gone he soon. Was, yeah. He'll, no, they're, I, I believe him when, he, when they're trying to, trying to sign him to long term. Well, they said um, today that, Mitch, they, 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 uh, he felt that they lowballed an offer and uh, he turned it down. Yeah, and that's, that's not saying that they won't come around like they did on Brian Reynolds. They lowballed Brian Reynolds, as you recall, mm-hmm. and they ended up coming around and, and paying him uh, a good wage. Um, and I think they'll do the same with, with – uh, with Mitch Keller, but Mitch oh. Keller is a prime example of of a organization that was trying to teach their pitchers to pitch to contact. Which, to me, you're not teaching them to pitch to their strength. Exactly. And this regime is. I, I think if Glasnow was here, Glasnow, who to me was the best pitching prospect I have ever seen mm. in following the Pirates, and he he showed that once he got to Tampa Bay, and they weren't screwing around with his um, with his delivery. I believe in Ben Charrington, and I I believe in his staff. And um, this is the deepest staff we've had in over fifty, or deepest system we've had in over fifty years. A system that you can look down down to the number thirty ranked player. Generally, I look at the top ten players at best who have major league potential, and after that, you're looking at guys with a cup of coffee. You can look at guys into the 20s and see there's potential here now uh we obviously you're an expert on the pirates but we want to get to your books but before we do we're going to talk uh, we're going to have a quick message uh from our sponsors greater pittsburgh travel mckee's rocks call them at 412-331-2244 palucci plumbing in lawrenceville call them at 412-782-5050 the calabria club Call Dominica Gulli at 412-471-6790. La Scuola d'Italia Galileo Galilei. 
Call Angela at 412-404-8269. And uh, don't forget about my book, which David helped me tremendously. I appreciate it, David. Uh, Lead from the heart up, not the neck up, how to create a positive winning culture on the field in the office. You can get it at Barnes & Noble and Robinson. It's right next to Dave's, which I'm flattered. You can get it uh, on my website, ClaudioRosano.com, BarnesNoble.com, Amazon.com, and JohnMelvinPublishing.com. The Boxing Authority's Boxing's Best TV Show with Lou Dupree Jr., Smoking Jim Frazier, and myself. Check us out on WBC.VIVETV Network and Channel Box. But you can also go to Luther's YouTube page at Steel City Luke. Uh, my show, the Claudio Relsano Show, where I've interviewed such great guests as Dave Finoli, Jerry Cooney, Mario Andretti, Vince Papali, Ken Griffey Sr., Rocky Blyer, Roman Gabriel, Sid Bream. You can check that out at ClaudioRelsano.com. The Pennsylvania Basketball Coaches Association podcast, which I host. Check that out at PABCA-org. And, of course, Talking Business and Life with myself and Steve Mancini. Check that out at CRSMmedia.com. We will be right back with Dave Finoli. Thanks to Greater Pittsburgh Travel. For any of your travel needs, let Tom and the team at Greater Pittsburgh Travel know, and they'll take care of you. For more information, call 412-331-2244 or visit their website at www.greaterpittsburghtravel.com. For all of your plumbing needs, be sure to try Pellucci Plumbing. Nick and the team have decades of experience and will get you back up and running. For more information, call Pellucci Plumbing at 412-782-5050. Okay, welcome back to Italian Impact Weekly, and I... Can't forget our wonderful producer, Joe Hale. Joe, thank you for everything you do. Giuseppe, Giuseppe. Okay, Dave, uh, some of your books, as I read some of them off the beginning, before we talk about your newest book, what was the toughest Mm -hmm. to write? And what was your favorite? Well, my my favorite was the Chuck Cooper book, Um, mainly because when I was first asked by by Chuck's son to write the book, my first there wasn't a lot out there on Chuck. So my first comment was, I hope you got a lot of pictures, because uh, I'm not sure we're going to get enough uh, good content out of this. But then when I started just, I mean, my concept for writing books is I want to I want to go through the newspapers, and I want to find the story as it happened, not look at things that were written 30 years later. And as I, as I was researching it, there was so much on what just, a rock star this guy was right how he, he was he was the first holdout in celtic history he was uh, because not because he he wanted a ton of money he wanted to be paid what was fair mm-hmm. and back then if you held out there was there was a good chance you weren't going to get signed and, and being the first african-american to be drafted in the nba and the first one to step on on the floor which he did in an exhibition game you know that could have been death for his career but he didn't care he wanted what was fair and he would always fight for his teammates, and, and you know, it was just, with him, it was always about team. He was criticized often when he was at Duquesne for not scoring more. But for him, if he could pass the ball and get it to an open guy for an easier score, then that's what he did. But we found out so much, and 300 pages later, we didn't use a lot of pictures. You know, so that that was something where we we uh, created a story where there wasn't a lot to begin with. Um, and it ended up getting this guy who, to me, is just a rock star. Um, and what he did off the court. And what he did off the court, you you got. Absolutely. He was the first African-American uh, to be the head of a department in, in the city of Pittsburgh. He was the head of Parks and Recs. And he was 
one of the first executives for Pittsburgh uh, Bank. And what he did was create a, a um, project where um, he would get money to the inner city, places that needed it, create businesses, which would create jobs for those, desperately needed jobs for those areas. And it's a lot what um, the federal government does at this point was a, was a lot based off of what Chuck did back then. So, I mean, as I said, this guy was just a rock star, and, and I was so proud of that book and, and still still am. Toughest one to write was um, the book on baseball in Altoona. Mm. Altoona. Altoona had a a major league team for 18 days, and I thought, what a great story this would be. <laughs> well, um, they were in the, in the uh, uh, Players League, I, I believe, um, to start the season in 1890. And um, or the Union Association, I'm sorry, Union Association in 1884. And um, what it ended up being was a team that played poorly for 18 days and or 18 games, and and you know that was it. They moved to Chicago, and that was that was the end of the story. So then I had to, you know, work desperately to create the rest of the book, which we focused mainly mainly on the curve. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't what I set out to do, and um, I, I've got to say it wasn't you know it, it wasn't a lot of fun. <laughs> okay, Steve. So I, I got kind of an interesting question on just writing in general. So when you're writing these books, you have to do a lot of research, which means the information essentially is out there. It just needs to be you know discovered and yeah. synthesized. Yeah. So I guess this kind of a general question for writing is. If the information's out there, and I, and I don't, I don't, I don't ask this question in kind of like an accusatory way. I just kind of ask it like for people that are listening and saying, you know, what, I always wanted to write a book. It's like, do you have an approach for how you can you're going to take this information and put it together to tell a story? I mean, you are a successful writer. You have multiple books. They are good books. A lot of people can write, but they can't write well. But yet the information's out there. Is this like, what is your approach that makes it so effective? My approach is a lot of people will go thoroughly with interviews and such, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's, it's a good approach. The problem is you're asking people to remember something 20, 30 years ago and even longer. So you don't always get the accurate story. And, and my thing is, you know, the story, once it's written down, even if it's incorrect, that can become, unfortunately, history because that's how people read it. And, and I come across that quite a bit in my research. I like to go through and start the story from how it actually developed. So I'll start in a new several newspapers. Like right now I'm writing a book on the 1910 Pitt Panther team who was undefeated and unscored upon mm. um, and had won several national championships uh, retroactively. So my approach is to start out in the newspapers um, when I write about the game, I, I go through the whole week through four or five different Pittsburgh papers at the time, and the story develops from there. And to me, that is the most fascinating part for me. And I, I like to write, but I love to do the research. I'll, I'll start at like 8 in the evening thinking, eh, you know, it must be 10 o'clock, and I'll look up, it's 2 in the morning. I get lost in it. That's how I develop the story. So you do the interviews to kind of supplement that. But my, my thought there is that's where you get what happens. That's how you tell an accurate truth. And that's, to me, my method for telling my stories is 
I mean, even when I, I do something as I did in the Pittsburgh in the 70s book where I, I'm doing a personal recollection, I'm always going through the papers to make sure I'm remembering the facts properly. Now, you're obviously born and raised in Pittsburgh, local guy. Is this what you saw yourself doing 40 years ago? I, I was a journalism major, and to be honest, I wasn't that confident in my in my writing. Um, I had an opportunity to um, work for the press as a stringer, but I really wasn't confident, and, and I also had an opportunity. My Uncle Vince uh, was uh, president of the Joseph Horn Company, and he said, well, instead of doing that, why don't you become an assistant buyer, and, you know, you, you, it's more mine. So lack of confidence, I, I did that uh, instead. Uh, always wanted to write, especially books. You know, I kept telling my wife, oh, I got this idea, I got this idea, I got this idea. And so finally one day, about 1999, uh, good uh, good 15 years after I graduated, she looks at me in the eye and she said, either submit the idea in a manuscript to a publisher or shut up about it. You're doing yourself no good. Right. So I finally got the guts to do it. And it was a book on baseball in World War II. And I was lucky enough that the publisher, McFarland Publisher, was looking for somebody to write a book about baseball in World War II. So they gave me a contract. And um, lucky enough, it was it was good enough that uh, a person from a company called Sports Publishing Inc., who was, uh, was the largest uh, publisher of sports books back then, Wanted was doing a series of encyclopedias and said, "Hey, you a fan of the Pirates?" And I told him, "Of course." So he offered me a contract to, to write the, the Pittsburgh Pirate Encyclopedia, which I did with my um, um, college roommate and high school friend Bill Rainier. And uh, that's where it took off. And that was an 800-page book that hmm. really was was my opening to do everything I've done since. Now, let me ask you kind of a follow-on to that. So, back then, before digital print, before e-publishing and all that, you had to go out and get a publisher and somebody had to pick you up. With mm -hmm. the age, you know, the, the digital print and the way things are working now, is it changing the way you're putting books out? Or, or for you, are you still kind of like, hey, I'm an established author, so I can go to a, you know, I can go to a, an editor or publisher and they're going to they're gonna pick me up? Or is it like I don't really care if they do it? I can I can you know go to an e-publisher. Is it is it changed the way you're processing the books? It does because um, I mean I, I've been lucky enough to have the History Press for uh, for 15 of my books, um, and they are a great partner and and have pretty much believed in in the stories I've wanted to tell. But there are certain stories like the 1955 national champion Duquesne Dukes, um, the 1910 pit bull that publishers don't quite grasp how important these guys are um i mean the 55 duke book was one of my better selling books um and we did that on our own but yeah it did now i can if i want to write a book in between where i want to tell the story i want to tell i can now and uh, you know i learned how to design the books and and you know so basically i don't have to put up any any money and and um i can design it and and, and tell the stories i want it's just a matter of putting the time in to promote it and and uh, using social media for that. So it's made a huge difference because before, 15, 20 years before, I wouldn't have had that opportunity to do that. Dave, your newest book, Pittsburgh Sports in the 70s, which I can't wait to read, 
am I wrong in saying that other than Los Angeles and New York, all the sports, I'm talking about pro, obviously, hockey, baseball, basketball, um, that's it, ba- basketball, football, hockey, uh, and college sports, who had more success in the 70s other than, again, L.A. and New York? But Pittsburgh's right there. Am I wrong? Um, no, no. I think, In fact, I, I think uh, um, only New York was with, with uh, Pittsburgh. I mean, L.A. had the Lakers who – But New York didn't do didn't college. They didn't win anything co- collegiately, I don't believe, in the 70s. No, 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 no. I think Pittsburgh was, was the more successful one. Yeah. I mean, New York had, had two Nick championships. Um, they had the Yankees uh, uh, winning uh, back-to-back in uh, 77 and 78. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was it for them, uh, pretty much. Um, the Mets had won in 69, were in the series in 73, but didn't win. Right. Los Angeles won the NBA in 72, I believe. But other than that, uh, those great Laker teams didn't win a championship. UCLA? UCLA was at the yeah. end of their run. They won... Right. Uh, a few in the first uh, first part. USC won a couple uh, uh, championships in football, but professionally, I mean, the the Rams uh, were in the '79 Super Bowl. The Dodgers were in a couple World Series, but uh, um, but lost. Um, didn't win a title till the '80s. Um, so I I think Pittsburgh basically was the city of champions in the '70s without question yeah i agree i agree now tell us a little bit more about the book pittsburgh sports in the 70s well they there were um um five of us that wrote tom rooney who uh former president of the penguins who's been a wonderful uh collaborator with me on seven books um took some some books tim rooney his brother who was in the steeler uh, front office mm-hmm. in 1974 when they had the greatest draft in the history of professional sports um, where they got four Hall of Famers in their first five picks um, tells about that uh, and, and an, uh, uh, in person you know right he was there which which did a great job of telling that story and then there was Frank Garland who um, was a wonderful author wrote books on Archie Vaughn and, and Willie Stargell was part of us and Chris Fletcher who is uh, like a brother to me, is, is uh, a close friend from Duquesne University and is always with me on, on the books when we uh, collaborate. He was with me on this too. And, and we just take different uh, championships and get great angles at them. I mean, the Immaculate Reception, the story is basically, Chris was there too. He stayed. I left. <laughs> That's the story. Um, you know, but it's, it's a, it was a fun story to tell. You know, we, we just tell some great angles. Tom Rooney wrote a story on on two great movies in the um, um, in the seventies, the Fish and Save Fish Pittsburgh. Fish and Save Pittsburgh. And, uh, oh, I remember that. <laughs> oh, my and God. Slapshot. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah. Slapshot was filmed in Greensburg and in uh, Johnstown. Yeah. And right. uh, in fact, I, I wrote a story on the team that Slapshot was was based after, which was the Johnstown uh, Jets. That's right. Who won their last championship in nineteen seventy five, and so he tells the story of the movie, and I tell the story of how they influenced the movie. So um, we talk about the Pittsburgh Triangles, our world team tennis team that won a uh, championship in 76, I believe. By the way, I think um, some of the, uh, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, some of the players from that Johnstown team, weren't they in the movie? Yeah. Yeah, two of the three Hanson brothers were on, on the line. The third one, um, who actually was named Hanson, um, <laughs> was, ended up playing in the NHL for a few years. That's right. So he, he wasn't in the movie, but yeah, yeah, two of them were, were John Sanchez. Um, 
and it basically, I mean, some of the stories when they won the title, that scene at the end where everybody dives onto the ice, that happened. That ha- that happened actually in the in the semifinal when uh, I forget who they defeated in the semifinal, but it was it was there, and um, it was on the road, and and their fans got on on the ice and hit the referee a couple times. <laughs> just, just like in the movie. Right. So where can people get these great books? And when is the Pittsburgh uh, Sports in the 70s coming out? It will be out. I have that coming out September 4th. Uh, you can pre-order it on Amazon. It will be in Barnes & Noble and, and local bookstores, uh, which most of my books are. Um, some of them are under the um, uh, the title or the author title of uh, uh, Gentleman uh, uh, Journalist of Pittsburgh. Uh, when we have too many to put on the cover, uh, we we uh, we title them with those. But uh, you can find them all at uh, Barnes and Noble, and and all of them are on Amazon. And uh, then November first, I'll have my book uh, Perfection, which will be the story with I write with Gary Kent on on the 1910 uh, uh, Pitt Panthers, and and why at the end of it, uh, why we feel that the university needs to recognize them with the other nine championships. And you can also get Dave's books at Cooperstown. Right, Dave. Ah, which, which we've uh, a friend of mine, Bob Healy, was was there this uh, past week and uh, uh, found my book on the Pittsburgh Pirate All Stars there. Which to me, I get the biggest thrill when when I see that. I've had three books there over over the past twenty years, and and uh, that's great. I, I just that that just means as Cooperstown with baseball being my favorite game, and Cooperstown just being such a important place to me, um, it means a lot to me. Well, Dave, I you know I think the world of you. I always appreciate everything that you've done for me. Got to get you to a Carnegie Mellon game this year, hopefully. And um, uh, but uh, I appreciate everything. And also, you do a, a podcast, the Four One Two Podcast. I believe that's yeah. what it's called. Correct. Correct. Yeah, we'll we'll have that. Uh, um, we have a Facebook page called the Four One Two, and my page will have it. Uh, uh, David uh, Finoli, F I N O L I on Facebook, and um, we're hoping to hook up soon with uh, the site OneBerg, which is has the biggest following uh, on Facebook in Pittsburgh. Um, but um, we have Ryan Shazir uh, on this week, and uh, we'll be talking to him tomorrow. Good. Well, again, I appreciate everything. Wish you all the best uh, with everything, and we'll be talking soon. You got it. Always a pleasure. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Okay, everybody, we're going to take a quick break uh, to hear a word from our sponsors, and we're going to talk to Steve Mancini about his trip. But again, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Greater Pittsburgh Travel and McKee's Rocks. Call them at 412-331-2244. Pellucci Plumbing in Lawrenceville, 412-782-5050. The Calabria Club. Call Dominica at 412-471-6790. La Scuola d'Italia Galileo Galilei. Uh, Call Angela at 412-404-8269. And uh, if you're looking for an avenue to promote your business or get in touch with us at questions at italianimpactweekly.com, we would love to have you on as a sponsor. And we'll give you some extra perks with some of the other shows we have. We'll do whatever we can for you. Uh, to to make it worth your while. Also, Empire Media Ventures, a company that Steve and I started. We we would like to host uh, other shows on that network. So uh, contact us uh, as well, but you can go to crsmmedia.com. And uh, you know about my book. You can get all my books, my book and my shows. Go to claudiorelsano.com. 
and um, you'll be able to find all that out. And then, of course, Talking Business and Life with Claudio and Steve. Check us out at crsmmedia.com, as well as Italian Impact Weekly. And if you missed the show on Thursdays on WKHB Radio, you can check us out on italianimpactweekly.com. We'll be right back with Steve Mancini. And we want to thank the Calabria Club of Pittsburgh. If you're interested in learning more, you can find their contact information on Facebook at Calabria Club of Pittsburgh. Again, thanks, Domenica, and the team at the Calabria Club of Pittsburgh for your support. And we want to thank La Scuola d'Italia Galileo Galilei, the only nonprofit school in Pittsburgh endorsed by the Italian consulate. If you're interested in learning Italian or have your children being immersed in the Italian culture and language, be sure to give them a call at 412-404-7070. And that's La Scuola d'Italia Galileo Galilei. Okay, welcome back to Italian Impact Weekly. Steve, you just got back from Italy. It's all yours. How was the trip? Well, Claudia, thank you for asking me. <laughs> Actually, I went to three countries. And uh, I do want to give a shout-out to Tom at Greater Pittsburgh because, you know, we were talking about this before the show. I, you know, a lot of people say, well, why? I've been to Italy a lot of times. I speak Italian. I know how to book flights online. I know how to, re- you know, reserve a hotel, et cetera, et cetera. Why use a travel agent? And I'm not, and this is not meant to be to promo, but it's meant to make a point. So when you travel and everyone, you know, you, you see these sites online, they say, oh, you get the cheapest deal right here. There's an old adage, you get what you pay for, <laughs> right. okay? And I don't think people <laughs> kind of understand that. So you can do international travel on the cheap. I did not pay an arm and a leg. Believe it or not, this did not cost me an arm and a leg. Was it cheap? No. Was it crazy expensive? No. And so why, why am I bringing this up? Because when you get someone that you can work with, you know, and we're going to talk about some business and life at some point, we want to talk about why, why I think integrity still matters. Even in the most evil capitalistic society, you have to have people you can trust. You want to do business with people you can trust. So I work with Tom, you know, and, and I went to Portugal, Spain, and Italy. It was the first time my wife and I had ever gone away together, ever. We got married very young. We were broke, never had a honeymoon. So this was the first time. And, I, and I'll tell you something that's kind of funny. Is you've taken a lot of vacations, I'm assuming, with your wife and, you, and your daughter. Have you ever gone without your daughter? No. The first time you go on vacation without your kids, it is going to be the weirdest thing in the world because you're going to be like, hey, check that out. Oh, yeah. they're not here. And you're going to miss them. And I actually I actually missed my kids. Let, let me interrupt you real quick. No, as soon please. as you said that, I, I had a camp I was hired to do in, in Brooklyn. I think 2007, 2008, this guy, and forgive me, Steve, he gave us the best tour anybody could ever give in New York, right? And I just kept saying, God, I wish my wife and daughter were here. God, yep. and we saw the Statue of Liberty on Staten Island stair. God, I wish they were here. So I know what you're talking no, about. No, it's, it's, you do, you miss, you miss people. It's like, it's nice to get away, but then sometimes you're like, ah, you know, but you want to share it with people. Right, exactly. So we went to Portugal, we went to Spain, and, and for the most part, everything was well. I, I'll, I'll throw something at you for whatever reason. People are discovering Portugal more. And, and again, I, I, I don't get anything for this. I'm just saying from my experience, I loved Portugal. Even we went to Lisboa, which I learned is the proper way to say Lisbon. So they say Lisboa. That's how they say it, which I didn't know. So, by the way, don't speak Spanish in Portugal. Think, oh, it's like Spanish. No, it's not. In fact, there, when I was saying, I was, when I first got there and I was saying thank you, I was like, oh, grazie. You know, and, and they were like, you know, they understood. But they're like, oh, dumb American. And I'm like, I don't blame them. Then I was like, well, how, you know, I asked him, I said, well, how do you, how do you say thank you? And, and he says, obrigado. And I was like, it's not gracias. You know, that, that was completely different. So, you you know, 
It, I usually do homework before I go to a country so that I'm not that guy. It's like, hey, y'all, um, where's the McDonald's? Uh, you know, you know, you're like, Ugh, you don't want to be that guy. So I tried. I picked up a little bit of just a couple of hi, how are you, but I didn't know thank you, and I should have known it. But Portugal is beautiful and not expensive. I mean, we were in, in Lisboa, Lisbon, and we were, like, paying 12 euros for a meal in what you think would be a tourist trap. Okay, I'm in the capital. There's all these tourists walking around. It's like 12 euros, which is like $15. Dollars never worth more than a euro. So we're getting really nice meals, and we're not paying an arm and a leg. We're walking around. It's just beautiful. That, that, I cannot emphasize this. Portugal was beautiful. Now we go to Spain. I don't know if you saw on the news. The heat spell, mm. it was there. <laughs> I found it. Yeah. In case you were looking for it, I found it. We go to a decent hotel, and the front's a casino. In the back, or we'll, I'm going to call them, because I'm looking out my balcony here into the little alleyway. We'll, we'll call them Women of Ill Repute. <laughs> and so now I'm thinking, I'm thinking the Eagles song. Am I in heaven or am I in hell? <laughs> then I open the door up, and it's like 90-something. Like, I'm not exaggerating. And, like 12, 90 and something. 12 euros for that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So I open the door, and I'm like, man, I am not in heaven. Because one, my wife's here, and it's 90-something degrees, so it's hot. We're, like, just cranky. We're, like, grumble, grumble, like, this is miserable. So but but so Madrid was okay. I, I, I'll tell you, I love the architecture. I look around the buildings. It's one of the things I, I, I miss about Pittsburgh. And then at the same time, I like it. You can still find those older things. That's right. And if you take care of them, they give so much character to a city. But when you just let stuff fall into disrepair... You know, it's an old statue, an old building, and it looks like crap. So I love, I loved the architecture there. It was beautiful, but I wasn't impressed with Madrid besides the architecture. So let me go to Barcelona. Same thing. I'm like, it's nice, but it's not that nice. And it is hot, hot, hot. I mean, like, you're walking down the street, and it's almost like something's just clawing at you. It's the heat. And go to Italy. Go down to the Calabria. I'm on the beach. Again, it's at least, I'm not making it up, because it was, it was 44 degrees Celsius, which I think is like 100-something degrees. The wind is, well, it's like, it's like a hairdryer. It is hot, 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 hot. And what they were doing was they would go out to the beach in the morning and then go in in the daytime and then go back out later on in the afternoon. So, I mean, I, it was just hot. It was great vacation. It was great to get away. But now, go back to the Tom piece. So he put us on some tours of some stuff, places I'd never heard of. And, it's, and, and that's one of those examples where you can just look it up. Well, well how do I know it's going to be a good tour or not? So you find somebody that's done it before. And so we ended up being on some very good tours. Um, I can't remember the name of the palace we went to. Um, and it was outside of Madrid. It was like maybe 40 minutes outside of Madrid. But, I mean, these places are like, I mean, you can look at a picture. But until you see some of these places... And then you think, like, these are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old. And in some places, like, you know, when you go to Rome, like the Pantheon, it's like almost 2,000 years old. And they still use it. You know, it's like I, I, I made this joke, and I still use this joke. You know, some of those roads were built by the Romans, and they still use them. Like, you're walking around some of the Appian Way. It's still there. Like, yeah. you're walking. It's also, you come to Pittsburgh, and they're, they're tearing it up three weeks after they've laid it down. True. And it's like... Are you just incompetent or is this some kind of like money grab scam right. where you just keep, quote, fixing the road and nothing ever gets fixed? Um, but uh, it was fun times. Um, I can't 
I, I can't emphasize, though, if you're going to do an international travel and you're not sure, I would get an agent. I would get somebody and just say, look, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bite Tom. Tom at Greater Pittsburgh Travel. That's Greater That's Pittsburgh right. Travel, Tom. No, but, but I would get an agent. And, and I'm, I'm recommending Tom because I've known him now a couple years. Yeah. And he has never steered me wrong. And, and, I, and I don't know where they make their money. Because so when I was there, he also did this. He's like, look, you're going to be tired. And I'm like, I know. But, you know, he's like, trust me, take a day in each city and do nothing. It, it didn't happen because now you get antsy feet. You're like, okay, what are we going to do today? And we ended up picking up a couple tours on our own while we were over there. And I'm like, I didn't pay that much more when I used Tom versus doing it myself. So it's like, why would I not let him do it for me? You know, because then he puts a nice booklet together, gives you everything, it's all in order, he lays out your schedule for you. That's that's worth so, it right there. Oh, man. I mean, literally, it's, it's he gives you a packet. And it's like day one, you know, the the, the, the driver will pick you up and drop <laughs> from at the airport. Or, no, actually, day one, it's like, leave your house, go to the airport, here's your flight. And then he has another stack that's got a copy of your for your tickets. And then, okay, then he'll say, like, after you land, you're going to land here, and your driver's going to pick you up. Okay, and here's your voucher for that. Okay, day two, you're going to do this tour. They're going to pick you up at your hotel. Here's your voucher for that. So I literally have these stacks of paper, and then you just tear them off each day, and now you're done. So it's so organized. I don't have to think. I don't have to worry about anything. I know the driver's going to. Only one time did a driver not show up. This is the only time this has ever happened. When we were in Portugal, the ride to the airport, um, the driver didn't, didn't show up. So, I mean, I've never had that happen. It's unusual. That's not Greater Pittsburgh Travel. No, no, no. It was the, it was the yeah, it was right. the company. Um, but again, it could it, it could be a million reasons. Sure. It could have just been you know, hey, he got stuck in traffic. God forbid, he could have been in an accident. I mean, they're very good at that. Like if they say, hey, we're going to be at your hotel at six fifty five. I mean, they are there by six fifty five because they know you're going to a flight, and if you miss your flight because the driver's late. You're going to go back and you're going to tell your travel agent and then they're not going to book through that company. So these companies know it's in their best interest to like, hey, if we're saying 665 or 650, they're going to be there. And it was funny because um, the last day when we're leaving, we had a driver taking us to the airport. And these aren't like, and these aren't like people are acting like I've got this, like this limo service. Like this is not expensive to do this. It's literally about what you'll pay for a taxi. So, but it's nice because it's just you. They come to your hotel, they pick you up and they take you to the airport. And I said to my wife, I said, you know what? I want to be down a little early. I convinced this guy's going to be early because the other guy was early for all the other ones. And sure as crap, man, the guy was like 10 minutes early. And he's down there, and I walked out to the car, and I said, you here? And he's like, yep. I'm like, perfect. And they come in, they help you with their luggage. So great trip overall. Um, I learned a lot. Something that a lot of people say, well, Americans are very rude. And you know what? No, we're not. (laughs) There are people, and I am telling you, when you go – international if you just people watch i love people watch. that's why i think i love europe and i lived in asia for a lot of years too i like asia but I just some about europe because i think what it is it's the piazzas those squares right, sure. where you could just sit there on, on and have a coffee and just watch people walk past and especially when you're in a big touristy area and you see all the whole world is there like rome is just packed there's people from all over the world they're there and when you're sitting there watching people, you you kind of see, like, are these people just, you know, ales? Are they rude? <laughs> or is it culture? And you you learn that it's just the way they are. They're not. They're, right. They're not. They're not being. You know. They're just like they're trying to get somewhere. So they're, they're you're bumping in. You're like, why aren't they saying excuse me? It's like, 
dude, there's 20,000 people here. Don't take it personal. You got to learn that. Or, or when they're, when they're cutting in front of you, they're doing like, they're from all over the world. I don't want to say, I don't want to say courtesy goes out the window, but it, but it sort of goes out the window. When you're in a tourist area, it's like, if you're expecting courtesies. So go back to the American piece. So I saw a lot of people from a lot of countries that were louder, more obnoxious, banging into me. And I'm like, man. And I'm, and of course, my wife's like, just let it, you know, like she's, she's trying to keep me calm. And I'm like, no, this guy didn't say excuse me. Like, you're me speak English, you know? It's like, and it's like, it's, you're, you're, you're expecting a certain. What you get here. Right. Not that we're necessarily that mannered here, but, but, there's a, but, but we are more mannered than people give us credit for. And over there, I saw it. Because I did see people, you know, like say, hey, "Excuse me, you you speak English?" Like, "Oh yeah," like, "Okay, you're American." God, okay, what's going on? And so they're very people are polite. I think it's just a people thing. Either people are polite, or they're not. It's but but there are some cultures where maybe being a little louder, maybe bumping into you is like, bah, you know, whatever. Just live with it, deal with it. And you're looking like, "Hey man, this dude just banged into me, and he didn't even say sorry." But at the same time, you know, you're like, well, that's just how they are. They're you look at look over in the corner. They're all banging into each other, not saying sorry. Don't take it personal. You're just congratulations. You're part of the club now. You know. <laughs> but um, no, it was a great vacation. I tell you, I was so tired though. I, I mean, I, I tell you, the funniest thing was there were days. I am not kidding. I had no idea what day it was. I, I take a little like my daily meds, and I'm like looking at the thing to keep track. I'm like, did I take that? And and then, you you know, I I kept my phone on. Oh boy! I just saw what my bill's gonna be. Woo! What do you mean? Why? Oh, I kept my bill. I kept my phone on. Like meaning, I did the ten dollar day international plan. Okay. And I used it. Oh. <laughs> so when you use it, if you didn't use it at all, you'd still have to pay. No, but I oh, used my had... phone. No, because I kept touch this guy named Claudio. Kept. Yeah, <laughs> we, we didn't touch. We didn't. No, touch I'm, I'm kidding. You. No, I, I think I paid say, you guys once or twice. Not once. Did I? Not? He forgot all about us. I swear. I'm gonna. Me look and at Joe my... connected. I think I pinged you. I'm, I'm kidding anyways. Though. But my point, though, was, uh, well, it's for my kids. I mean, I, mean, I was texting right, sending sure. like almost a, some people work at a joke thing. Um, uh, but, it, but, it, but so what it is is I do the $10 a day international plan. Right. It's unlimited, you know, text. Like, it's like you have your phone in the States, but you pay 10 bucks. Is it worth it? I think it is. Oh, just 10 bucks. That's it. 10 so bucks. It wasn't anything. Nope. Okay, that's 10 good. bucks. But 10 then bucks times 21 days, times yeah. two phones. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> now you're paying out the wazoo. So now we're going to raise Tom, uh, Greater Pittsburgh Travels sponsorship and everything else. Tom, I cannot mention your name anymore, buddy. Listen, this is we're going to have to talk about in renewals. But uh, no, but I just want to say that, um, you know, and it sounds like you, I caught the shows. Um, uh, again, appreciate Joe. You know, Joe turns those things around very quickly and does a great job with them. So, I, you know, I try and listen to them after the fact. Um, great shows. Appreciate what you guys did while we were gone. Uh, appreciate the listeners continuing to listen while we're gone. And, uh, you know, now that I'm back from vacation, summers are almost, you know, going to be gone for everybody. And uh, We did our first show, I want to say, in February. Yeah. That is unbelievable. Time flies. It's August. Time flies. You know, <clears throat> it's. I'll do a little musical comparison, I think, based on the folks that are still listening to radio, um, not to the folks that are going to listen to us after we post this online, but the folks on radio, you probably know a little song by Pink Floyd called Time. And it was on today, and um, they were, you know, it was like I was listening to the radio. It was satellite, and so I'm listening to, I forgot the drummer's name for Pink Floyd. He was talking about that, and he made a comment. He said, some of these lyrics have more impact when you're 50 than when you're 20. Oh, yeah. And so they have Good a song point. called Time, and, it, and it's exactly that. It's exactly what you think. It's about how time basically just slips away, and before you know it, I think there's a, there's a verse in the song. He says, 
And then one day you find 10 years have gotten behind you and no one told you when to run. You missed the starting gun. And it, but it's the point is so true. And it, this is kind of like, this is kind of like why we do these shows. Why do we do business in life? Why do we do this? I don't need to do this. You don't need to do this. I don't need this. This is not like I'm making a million bucks doing this. We do this because it's fun. But we also do it because we're the guys that are in our 50s looking back and going, wow, where did that time go? And for the people that are listening to this, we're going to tell you, we're, we're trying to give you like, hey, don't wait. You know, a good example was when we were interviewing when um, Dave said, you know, it was 15 years after he graduates. And then he decides, hey, I'm, I'm gonna, wife says, do it. You know, basically the whole crap right. or get off the pot thing. He finally does right. it. And I'm telling you, there are so many things you want to do in your life and the procrastination, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I am telling you, this is here's our Rocky quote or Rocky three. There is no tomorrow. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got to go back to boxing, Claudio. Always gonna, <laughs> but there is no tomorrow in a lot of ways because you don't know what tomorrow brings. So, you know, Jim you, Galvano used to say that when it was his time, unfortunately, it was way too short. But he said, I want my life spent. Right. Because people used to criticize him, believe it or not, because he was a head coach at NC State, athletic director. He had a radio show. He was an author. He was a speaker. He did camps. He, he did lighter side of sports. He did everything. And I used to tell him, Jimmy, I want to be the Jim Valvano of, of baseball, you know. And that's why I do all these different things, because I want uh, – I, I, I don't want course, no woulda, shoulda, coulda. Yeah, I, I want to do things. I, I want to um, do things I like. I want to have impact. I want to make a buck. But, you know, Gene Simmons, the guy from KISS, though, he said one time, he said, you you have a goal. You have dreams in your life. And then you you work towards them. And you achieve them. And you make a lot of money. And you impact people. Then you die. <laughs> you know, so, right. so, but, you know, I know so many people who want to do this, want to do that, want to paint, want to write a book, but do it. Right. You know, don't if, wait. If you wait. And you don't even long. have to be good at it. And just do just it. To, and I'm going to tell you something stupid. And I wish I knew what the name of the product was, but there was a hotel in Erie that we went to and there was a great lotion, great scent. I forgot what it was called, but I love this scent. One of my favorite scents, right? So I somehow got a bunch from got the it. hotel, right? They have soap, the lotion. Ask the yards. cleaning ladies. Right. I did I ask them. So um, I said, you know, I'm going to save some of it, you know, because they give you these little bottles. You know that some of the, the scent isn't as strong if you don't use it right away. It, it makes right. So use no. it. No, use it. Exactly or else you right. just have a damn bottle with lotion. That's in, right. You know? And um, so, you know, it, it may sound cliche and everything, but uh, you have to live. No. But I'm glad you had a great trip. Uh -huh. Glad you're back. And now in we one piece, because everybody knows I hate flying. A lot, I'm not a worried lot about of the Padre Nostras for our father's I don't, Hail I don't like that long trip, but I just don't like the delays. The oh, we had them. And, yeah, we had them. But like anyways, that. but no. But again, appreciate that. Thank you all again. Thank our listeners as always. Thank our listeners. Um, thank our guest, Dave. Dave, great job. Appreciate the time. Um, know the guy's busy. I mean, he's got a book coming out. It seems like yeah, he's, every he's, other And month. he works besides yeah, that. So he's appreciate got a family. that. So. Joe Hill, thank you. Thank you to the listeners. Thank you to the sponsors. And we'll be back with uh, Italian Impact Weekly next week.